will fix you. Good evening, and welcome to We Will Fix You. Hello. We have your regular reminder, although the signs have been updated and you should all know by now, obviously don't feed the pigeons. But do try and recall that they are trying, and you could do worse than show a little gratitude when they try and feed you. You know? It's it's not that hard, people. They it's, do a good gumbo. They do. Since the incident, it's been muy picante. Now, unflapped by such matter, you will find this evening Mr. Dave Convery, Paris shaman for Huxtable. Good evening. Ms. Lucy Boys, Swiss Guard, Toblerone Division. The roof of my mouth hurts. As is the way of your regent. And me, Roger Hunt, inventor of the clip-on dress foreskin, now available in tartan. And if you would like to bend our ears and vex our minds with your maladies, ask us questions at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. An example of one such question you may ask is the one we have this evening from an anonymous gentleman. I got me, he says, a problem. I work three days a week because I'm feckless and lazy and a drain on society. My employer has therefore recruited a new member of staff to do my job for the other days of the week when I can't be bothered. I therefore have to train this new member of staff on how to do my job. There's just one problem. I think I may hate her more than syphilis. I'm likely to be spending a lot of time with her over the next couple of months while I try and get her up to speed. Do you have any advice on how to successfully train someone you want to kill with an ice pick every time they open their stupid mouth? Yours. Anon. Mr. Contrary, you've spent some time avoiding horrific violence. Let me committing some. Well, obviously. On balance? I think I'm ahead. Well, let me just say, anonymous caller, that you've come to the right place because I have trained a lot of people in my time and I hate a great many more. You are in a unique situation and I think you should take advantage of that. Most of the time when you train someone, you have to do a good job because it's just going to come back and bite you on the ass if they don't. You're, you're, you're training this person to do a chunk of work that you or someone else that you know would otherwise have to do. In your case, you are training them so that if you do it right, you will never have to see them again. Every pearl of wisdom you pass on, every nugget of information, every insider secret, you are making them go away. You can literally elevate this person to, to effectively godhood, make them brilliant, make them shine, because that way you will never see them again. You will see the evidence that they have been there. You know, they're, they're going to leave behind spore in the form of work undone, but... Residue. Yes. Yes, a sort of business ectoplasm. But I cannot stress enough that by by sucking it up, by not 
killing this person, by training them to the best of your ability, you will never, ever see them again. And that's not nothing. Most people are free to wander around, but you will know exactly when this person will be in their place doing your job. And that's incredible when you think about it. You are, you are, it's, it's like modern day slavery. You're, you're forcing them into. Why would you do that? But yeah, suck it up. Excellent. I, um, I like that. I do. I, I like the quiet realism of it. I particularly like the focus on accelerating things so they go away. What I don't think that addresses is the difficulty of the specific process of training them. And also the very high likelihood that you might, if you play this right, be able to switch them out for someone you can tolerate. Because I actually think there could be more interaction than, than Mr. Congrey suggests. There could, if you're unlucky. Um, there could be other work events, bits and pieces, other times you have to interact. Now, there's lots of really good advice, which, and I believe Ms. Boys will cover some of it for um, interacting with people you can't stand, all sorts of stuff around forbearance and kindness and being mindful and taking the role of the other and all sorts of things you can do about being a basically decent person. And that's bullshit. You, you want this person gone. Now, traditionally the solution there would be bullying, but that's quite unkind. And whilst I'm quite an unkind person, I'm not quite that unkind. It could also threaten your own employment, which presumably you don't really want to do exactly. if you can help it. Likewise, the, the rich, silky gamut of constructive dismissal. Um, you could train them subtly badly, you could set them up to fail, but there's legal blowback, and if your employers aren't behind you, you get hung out to dry. You don't want to do this. It's, it's not cool. Yeah, what you need to do to get through this, I think, is kind of skirt the edges of that getting someone out constructive dismissal place while staying beyond reproach. And in order to do that, I think you need to make the problem largely you but in a way that is not going to get you disciplined. And some of this stuff is kind of borderline. I've got a few suggestions. Basically, I think you need to be super weird. You need to be undesirable to be around in a non-culpable way or in a way that people will feel too awkward to say anything about. So I've got a couple of suggestions. It all sort of rests on this idea of the uncanny valley, this thing that isn't quite right and so brings out a deep unsettlement response in people. It's, mm. it's, too, it's close to normal but far enough that you can see the gap and seeing the gap makes you unsettled. I'm going to start with kind of the laziest which is, um, and you could combine this with the others, smell terrible. Now I, I kind of do mean body odour but also not in a way where your, your boss is going to intervene and say you've got a hygiene problem. The key thing is staying just shy of the absolute bad version. So you could reduce your washing frequency but if you do never look dirty. You, you kind of just want to smell weird, so maximize the sulfur in your diet. You want a lot of broccoli, asparagus, brassicas generally eaten raw in as much as you can, because that will gradually express in the sweat. And then to get the sweat up, do a little bit of running, maybe walk into work or something. Drop your hair washing frequency, but not too far. Modify your diet a little bit out of kilter, because that'll kind of change up the smells a bit. Sit around your sticks constantly. Yeah. The more patchouli you can go, the better. Yeah. Um, athletes everything. Athlete all the things. Just get all your cracks and nooks. Real damp. Fungal. Um, you want to be kind of wafting about the place. So that's that's kind of, that'll. Th th this one is at the edges. If you don't mix in the patchouli or the joysticks or whatever, then you, your boss could say you've got a hygiene problem and it could get weird. But it's kind of passively unsettling and the closer someone gets to you physically, the worse it'll be. So this will hold them off at a distance. Talk about your crusty lifestyle. Talk about how washing is a thing that the man has invented that yeah. you feel oppresses you. Yes, if you can make it seem like it's part of your value structure, that also mm. places you further beyond reproach. 
Now, the other thing, the, the real sort of soul of the Uncanny Valley personality is to have a really inconsistent backstory. People talk about themselves at work. The more they get to know each other, they, they, the more they do it. And I feel a bit bad about this again because it's almost gaslighting. It's, it's using the same mechanism, especially if there's a power inequality. But and you'll need to keep notes for this because it's going to be really hard to be so inconsistent that you can proper nail it. Change the name of your partner or whether you have one or how many you have, change where you come from. Every time you talk about yourself with absolute sincerity, give a different story or a different account of yourself. Let them see the notebook just once. Perfect. Lapse into a different hometown accent as well each time when reminiscing. The more accents yes. you can do, the better. But it's got to be plausible code switching. Mm. It can't be put on. It's got to be that slight drift in. Get your vowels right. It's all about the vowels. Yeah. So th this does require work. But basically, the more inconsistent you can be, the better. And, and this will contribute to a sense of general ease and an almost arachnid revulsion at the idea of being around you. And then we come to the icing on the cake. This can really bother you. I, I, I once worked with someone who had a problem in this broad space and I got an uncanny re valley reaction to him and he was based an actual factual human. Mm. Speech rhythms. Proper fuck them up. You really, really want to fuck your speech rhythms. If you've played the game Half-Life, it has a character, the G-Man, who is probably some kind of alien intelligence, and a large proportion of his sinisterness comes from very strangely slowing down, but also picking up. If you, if you can really mess with your speech rhythms, this will creep people the shit out in a way that will place you beyond reproach. Um, you could muck with the metrics. Anything in Trimeter sounds very weird in English. You can also um, plausible deniability that you had some kind of traumatic brain injury. Yeah for maximum, you can't touch me for this point. And it could slip into the background narrative just once. Mm. You, this is the beauty of the background terrible narrative. terrible fall off Brighton Pier. Never have to stick with it. Mm. I'm going to try and give an example. Mrs. Dalloway said she would buy the flowers herself, for Lucy had her work cut out for her. The doors would be taken off the hinges. Rumpelmeyer's men were coming and then thought Clarissa Dalloway, what a morning fresh as if issued to children on a beach. What a lark. Plunge. For so had it always seemed to her when with the little squeak of the hinges, which she could hear now, she had burst open the French windows and plunged at bottom into the open air. What a morning. Something a little like that. Mr. Convery is looking as though Mr. Hart has become a strange robot, and that is entirely the desired effect, I believe. So yes, you could do that. Or you could do what Ms. Boyer say. Well, I, I was not entirely sure how to tackle the problem myself. I um, Some of you may be familiar with the sort of internet meme of bitch-eating crackers, which is a phrase that's kind of come into common usage when there is somebody who is so irritating to you in every way for legitimate reasons that you then find it deeply unreasonable when they do things that are entirely reasonable. So, you know, look at that bitch over there eating crackers like she owns the place when actually eating crackers is a sort of fellow, you know, fairly inoffensive social activity unless you're doing it loudly or with egregious spittle. Look at you wearing clothes and doing your job. Precisely. It's, it's, it's one of those. And, um... Uh, you know, this this being a thing, there is plenty of advice out there for how to deal with people who who irritate you deeply. So I've I've been plunging 
the websites that I think form our finest sort of brain trust as a species. I've been to Lifehacker, I have been to WikiHow, I've been to Thought Catalogue. Ooh. Ah, the Holy Trinity. Mm, to find out what you should do. And here's a, a smattering of the best suggestions. Now, Smatter us do. What one thing that was suggested was to float down the stream. Now this is a sort of, you know, you're stuck in traffic and you're getting quite angry and just imagine that you are a twig on a river and the cars around you are also twigs on the river and you're all just flowing and they are just flowing past you and it doesn't matter at all. This is sort of a kind of meditation-y, mindfulness-y based activity. Now, it occurred to me when I was reading this that my dad's version of the same proverb was just extraordinarily fucked up. His take on this was wait patiently at the bank of the river and watch the bodies of your enemies float by. That was a wow. thing he said on maybe a sort of weekly or monthly basis at home, which really explains a lot about me as an adult. I mean, to do that though, you've got to go upriver and fuck them up and then get downriver, presumably by car, so you're not out of breath, and then watch. Then get out and I think there was a sort of there was a sort of Protestant moral righteousness to this, like those people were so bad that their bad deeds would inevitably undo them, and you were merely the witness. I don't think there was the idea that you did the violence yourself, although that certainly wasn't mm. discouraged at home. I was kind of just picturing kind of yeah bickering about the parking fines at the murder picnic area. Mm. I've just now got an image of a whole bunch of middle-aged men staring dourly at a river not talking to one another and mm. just every now and one of them will nod and go fuck you Fred fuck you yes precisely then they're back to their voxel vectra and they're off I think so 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 with the, with the river metaphor you've got two really good options here you've oh it's a these. metaphor sorry I know we Shit. said that we wouldn't but I had to in order to fix the great thing about this metaphor is it's extremely flexible. You can be the very calm twig on a flowing body of water you have no control over, or you can be Bill, the very, very angry man standing on the bank and waiting for vengeance. It's got, it's got options. Mm -hmm. So um, the next piece of advice was to think of the person that you dislike with as much tenderness and compassion as you can. You know, imagine that they are a tiny child with emotions and needs that maybe they can't communicate that well to you, that you have no sort of notion of how, can, you know, how, how kind can you be in this situation. I hate tiny children. When they make noises, I want to thrash them until they stop, and that's broadly illegal, which is why I sort of stay away. Yeah. So, you know, this might not work for you. That does not make me feel tender and compassionate, but, but yeah, baby when, animals or... You when know. pets want something, I find myself yelling, tell me what you want or shut the fuck up. Yes. This is not universally portable advice. <laughs> no, but I think you can you can get something from it. You could think of them as a tiny child because that is roughly their competence level based mm. on what you've told us, and you can use your, you know, your tenderness, your loving kindness, your compassion to basically be sickly sweet and patronising as fuck to the maximum mm. extent that you can without getting fired. I mean, if it makes you feel better, if it gets you through the day, go ahead. Another piece of advice was to play their game. Do exactly the thing that they do that is annoying you back to them. And the theory goes, if they have even a shred of self-awareness, then they should be like, oh, why are you doing that? That's so annoying. At which point you can turn around and say, no, you're doing that. And yes, it is so annoying. 
which is in itself kind of an annoying way to deal with the problem, but it does make the point. Yeah. It what, feels like the prequel to a murder-suicide. Quite. And I think the other major flaw with this is that a shred of self-awareness is found just so much more rarely in humans than would be ideal. Mm. So if you do this, you're probably just going to piss off and confuse someone that you hate rather than actually causing them to change and examine their behaviour. So no, so we've sort of gone through the maybe advice, I and mean, I think there's some, some, some really solid good ones coming up. Just zone out. Very difficult to actively train someone while not paying any attention. No, but there are bound to be gaps. There are bound to be times when you're meant to be watching that they're doing it right and you can just kind of switch off and Light assume. Because also, I mean, okay, endgame, you fail to train them all that well or they're not very capable of the job. You don't have to train them again and you also have to work with them because you work on a different day and they're no longer working for your organisation, which is probably good if you find them annoying. So actually training them badly or not paying attention during their training might not be the worst thing for you, even if it's not great for them. You could take just kilos of ketamine. That's true, you could get yourself in a proper good K-hole and hope your bladder doesn't disintegrate. Now, the two sort of, I think, strongest pieces of actual advice to come out, the one was to realise that your own annoyance has basically zero impact on how fast this is going to be over or how well it is going to go. I think this is sort of the, a kind of a bit of sister advice to the old, you know, the only person whose feelings you have any control over is you. Um, you know, if the annoyance is making it actively harder for you to endure something that you basically have to endure either way, you've got some control there. You can make it less worse by choosing less to engage with annoyance. Another sort of common piece of advice was just don't give in to constantly bitching and bad-mouthing and venting because that's how you get to bitch-eating cracker stage quite a lot quicker than you would have otherwise. Even though it's extremely tempting, even, you know, out of work, even with sort of your loved ones at home, just just try not to talk about it. If you can help it, you'll probably be happier overall. Uh, so the final piece of advice from the mysterious brain wizards of the internet is, it came from an article called How Smart People Deal With People They Don't Like, and this is a particularly interesting piece of kind of listicle branding tactics that's come up in recent years. Tell people that smart people do something a certain way. Everybody desperately wants to be validated and affirmed and believe they're smart. They will read that and think, well, if smart people do that, goodness, I mean, that's me too. I might as well start doing these things. It's a very, very cheap marketing tactic if you have, again, even a shred of self-awareness. But let's go with it because the advice is to be civil, and deal with the situation calmly. Sounds basic. Mm. Probably harder than it seems. Almost certainly, but I think if you can, probably sort of via the piece of advice just before, via the actively trying to cut down on your venting, actively trying to cut down on your own negative feelings because they're just gonna make it harder to get through a thing that you more or less have to suck up and get through. I think that is the path to being civil and dealing with it calmly. But if you wanna be a smart person, that's what you should try. Excellent. Those were, I felt, some savoury advice-full nuggets. Textured, but silky on the finish, with a rich, deep mouthfeel slipping down easily. And if you would like to sup at such morsels to help us create them, nibble upon them and <laughs> slurp down their juices, why not send us a question to wewillfixyoushow at gmail. Dot com. Ta-ta.